What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast. You are tuning in to a very special and unique episode of this podcast. Given the nature and atmosphere that we're currently in here in the United States, I wanted to pull together a group of leaders to discuss as well as process and just kind of vent and get out all of the things that we were thinking and feeling from the event that happened on January 6th in Washington, D.C. So this is going to be the raw audio of that conversation. Make sure uh, you do know that this conversation is very raw. It's very real. It will show us at our most vulnerable states because again, we are still processing a lot of this information. So please bear that in mind as you're listening to it. This is not necessarily a lighthearted conversation, although it does get a lot uh, better at the end where we get a lot more energized and ready to do some amazing things as you'll hear. So buckle up, uh, just be ready, and I really hope that you will join us in this group to make some amazing change moving forward in the world. Thank you so much. Well, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining. Uh, real quick before we get started, very quick ground rules. I know all of us know each other, but I would love to just establish our ground rules for this session. Um, this is a safe space for everyone. So this is not asking, but we will respect each other's feelings, opinions, thoughts without any judgment. So if anyone attacks anyone, I'm not going to tolerate it and I will just boot you out. Um, please stay muted and raise your hand uh, if you'd like to chime in because there are a number of us. I would prefer not to have to shout over each other. And, um, and again, we all are feeling a lot of different emotions and have a lot of thoughts. So again, because there are um, nine of us probably potentially more later on. Um, I just want to make sure we give space to everyone. So just kind of be mindful of time as, as you're sharing. Um, and speaking of emotions, we'll do a quick icebreaker just to kind of get things um, go. So let's, uh, if you have a piece of paper or anything, go ahead and hold it up, block your camera. If you don't have a piece of paper, just put your hand over your camera. And what we're going to do is just share our emotions. So I will get started. And so what I'll do is if you feel the emotion that I am sharing, I'm about to share, go ahead and just uncover your camera and I will call on someone who feels similar to me. And then that person will get to share a, either the same emotion or a different motion. And whoever they see, they will get to call on that person to continually share until we get through everyone. Okay. So, um, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm here in the Bay Area in California, and I am feeling overwhelmed. Okay, so Yvonne, so please, oh, and Natasha, wonderful. So Yvonne, can you please share, and uh, Natasha, or and all of us will cover our cameras again, and um, Yvonne, go ahead and share what you're feeling. I'm Yvonne Alston. I am feeling um, overwhelmed. I'm feeling overwhelmed by just the, the imagery. Um, as a, a Black woman, I am extremely aware that what 
transpired yesterday is very stark contrast to what would have occurred um, had all of the folks that uh, came to the Capitol and intended for insurrection, those things, um, everything that they did, had they been black and brown people, it it would have been very different. Um, And it's just absolutely, you know, just abhorrent and and I between the imagery and the news reports and um, being a mother of a, a black teenage daughter and trying to explain this um, it is absolutely awful so it is overwhelming on, on many levels thank you Yvonne if you can uh, if you feel similar to Yvonne go ahead and uncover your camera and Yvonne, go ahead and choose someone who has uncovered their camera who has not spoken yet. Sarah, please share your feelings. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm from Denver, a nice privileged white part of the world. Um, I'll be honest, I'm feeling rage. Um, I am nauseated that this is happening um, and that fully nearly half of the country thinks that this is an okay way to be, an okay way to think, and an okay way to act. And if you feel similar to Sarah, please uncover your camera. And thank you, Sarah, for sharing. And Sarah, please choose someone else who has not spoken. I choose Ryan. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, I think the best adjective I can use to describe, it's also a verb is gaslit in the sense that I, uh, kind of similar to what Sarah was saying, it's this disgusting feeling, but also absolutely confounding and like, um, almost like we're living in a, in a different reality. Like it's some dystopian um, thing. I, I feel um, an intense amount of protection and I wanna just uh, not hug, but bring all of my, friends close to me to feel like I, uh, to protect them. And I know that that's kind of a paternalistic thing. Um, but I feel for my black and brown friends who are absolutely traumatized and triggered through this whole process. And, um, yeah, confounded and gaslit are those, the main feelings that I'm feeling right now. And, uh, Sajel, if you want to go. I think you're muted. Thank you, uh, Ryan. I would say that right now I'm just feeling um, extremely shameful. Um, I I feel that I keep asking myself that question of how the heck do we get to a point where we elected somebody like this to be the leader of this country that's got absolutely no credentials, political credentials or experience to ever get to such the top leadership position of this country. And, and he got there because we elected or, you know, people voted for him and elected him to that position. So I just feel extremely shameful. And I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I hope there's nobody here or anywhere. I mean, what I'm really pissed off about too, is that people are acting like they're surprised that what happened yesterday. I'm not surprised. I mean, if, if the years that happened last, if everything we went through last year didn't make you wake, see that this was just, this was going to happen. We knew it. 
Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that people, I, I'm hoping that we're, you know, we're not in denial. We, we know we have to do the work now. And so that, that's just why I'm so shameful right now. So. Thank you, Sajel. Yeah. Can you please uh, choose someone yeah, else to I share? Think- Oh, Ashish, uh, I, I believe Sajel picked you to go next to share how you feel. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, I think for me, it's uh, just unreal. Uh, I kind of knew like it was going to happen, like something crazy was going to happen, just the way like he kept advert, not advert, I mean, speaking about it. Um, I mean, he's just a sore loser. And like Sajel said, like, I don't know how he got elected president, but whatever is done is done. But I just never imagined that someone would stoop that low to uh, ruin the pillars of democracy. Um, And I think like I heard it best yesterday from former President George Bush, who said, you know, that behavior is something in a banana republic, um, not a democratic republic, which we are here in the United States. And, you know, my whole thing is like, we all should respect each other, regardless of our differences. Um, And then other people, you know, said, well, what if it was all, you know, color people who were doing the demonstrations? Would the response from the police have been different? I mean, there's a lot of layers of hate, racism going on in our country. Um, I think it needs to be addressed um, because I think if we want to move forward as a nation, we have to address it. And if we don't, it's just going to come back. Um, But, you know, I'm shocked. I'm stunned. Um, You know, I'm a positive person. I always think like the sun's going to rise the next day. And I think like we'll move forward as a nation, but for right now, I just feel like I'm kind of just lost. Um, and I kind of feel like what's, what's the new president going to do? Um, and, you know, I've told many for people, I said, they didn't invoke the 25th amendment because if there's no like severe punishment for this, then you're not, you're like encouraging other people to come out and do something similar to this. Like, what's the guarantee that something's not going to happen on inauguration day? Um, you know, one of my friends, she and I were talking last night and I said, what's the guarantee that Trump's not going to do something with a nuclear football? There's still 14 days before he's out of office. So, I mean, I'm glad that he's leaving, but I wish he would leave today or tomorrow, but just angry, sad, and it's just shameful to be an American because you know, Trump doesn't represent all of us, but he's still the president of our country. So that's just my two cents. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashish. No problem. Uh, would you like to choose someone who hasn't spoken yet? Um, let's see. I guess yourself, Chris. Oh, I've gone, but uh, I'll, pa- um, I'll, pass the, I'll pass the buck. Um, Natasha, would you like to go? Yeah, sure. Uh, I echo sentiments of pretty much everyone here today. Uh, As Ashish said, you know, 
I think you said you feel lost. I've also felt very lost and just kind of numb. I don't know. I can't even really process fully because I'm disappointed and I can't believe any of this has happened, but at the same time, it's all, all too believable, confounded, like Ryan said. And I feel this pressure on my own self that I need to, you know, step out and like be able to be a person that can offer like all this, not necessarily this guidance, but be, be help during this time and like speak up and I just don't even have that capability to do so because I feel so just like lost and confused and confounded by it all and Lauren had uh, shared some messages in the chat that she'd also sent um, to our team and again just feeling blown away that people would feel comfortable enough to just say such racist and inappropriate things through LinkedIn, which is the supposedly, you know, professional network. But the fact that there are people, there are neighbors, there, you know, people that are all around us that are also believe these things. And it just, I just don't have the words for for everything that I'm feeling and experiencing, but I want to be hopeful um, because I think if you lose hope, then, you know, any opportunity dissolves. So I'm choosing to remain hopeful, even though I'm a little bit out of a loss, uh, but I will pass it over to John. I think that I echo the the same sentiments as Natasha is a sense of numbness, um, just inability to process and try and figure out how the hell we got to where we got yesterday. Um, you know, I mean, it's years and hundreds of years in the making even, but just seeing that as the representation of our country, of our democracy was just it was sickening to me. It was enraging. I, I was shaking at one point. I was tearing up at another, you know, seeing people just ravage through the building and, you know, tear up things and it just spitting on the face of everything that all of us, you know, hold true. It just was infuriating and so saddening. But at the end of the day, I think it makes me so driven to continue going towards this change, this light at the end of the tunnel that I, I know that we keep seeing glimmers of, and I have a lot of hope for the future and a lot of drive to get there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, John. Joe, I think you are our last sharer, if you would like to share. Uh, let's see. Wow. So there's a lot, a lot of emotions. Um, I was sitting here trying to narrow it down. Uh, for me, it's going to be, I feel, feel frustrated. Very, very, very frustrated. You see, I, f I feel like I have a little bit of skin in this game. You know, I, I was in the army for, for most of my life, or at least my adult life. You know, I did three tours to Iraq, 
two to Afghanistan, did some time in Kuwait. And, and for me, I'm frustrated because freedom's been tainted, but not just in this situation and not just by what this group has done. It's been tainted that way, but freedom's tainted across the board and it means different things to different people. And when I was over there and when I was doing my service, I, I thought it was a freedom for all, right? It, and, and it was... Um, it was a collective thing. And, and the more this plays out and as the months go by and the years go by and even being in the space, you find out that, man, that's just not the case. And it's frustrating to me to know that now. Yeah. I, um, me personally, I, I don't know how I can't imagine what you're feeling, Joe. That's, um, that's really tough, especially having served. So, um, yeah, so thank you for sharing and thank you everyone for sharing. Um, at this point, I'll just, I'll let, I'll leave this open and we can just have discussion. We can just share more about what we're thinking, what we're feeling. And, um, yeah, if anyone wants to start, feel free. So for me, I, it blow what I can't figure out, right? I, I try to look at things logically, but there's nothing logical about these past four years when it comes to our government. Like, what would it? What will it take for people to realize? Like, what's that final straw? I I can't get over the fact of the leeway that this this person is getting, right? Like, what does it take? But then you think about all the challenges for 200 plus years that this country has dealt with. And it's just, that's, that's what I want to know. What's it going to take? I mean, at this point, what is it going to take? And I don't, I don't think there's anything. I mean, it's, it's, it's blind loyalty. Yeah. And, and Joseph, I would just add to that. It's not just that even too, it, it's even compounded because we haven't made any progress we're not making any, you know, it's like, it's, I'm very like optimistic and I, you know, that I have a passion for the work that I do, but when things like what happened yesterday happened, we've made no progress. We think we've made progress, but look at that. I mean, just less than a year ago when the Black Lives Matter riots were happening, we saw videos with people getting gassed and taken down and, and, and they were doing it peacefully and yesterday, these people were just allowed to walk in, basically. Yeah, and not just walk in anywhere. They walked yeah. into the Capitol. I mean, I this, this, this wasn't a post office or, or even an embassy, right? It's easier to get into an embassy on foreign soil, which is a declaration of war, by the way. But they walked into the Capitol. The chamber. The chamber. I mean, it's, it's just outrageous. It's so outrageous. It's so offensive, I think, on so many levels. It's offensive to our democracy. It's offensive to those who serve um, our country in that capacity to, to ensure that our democracy is not only intact, but executed properly. Um, and I, you know, again, you know, I'm sorry to have to repeat it, but if, if those were black and brown people, 
it would have been a very different outcome. I mean, the pictures are clearly circulating throughout the internet and LinkedIn showcasing what June 2nd, 2020 looked like when the Black Lives Matter protest was supposed to happen in DC and how, you know, Trump had no problem whatsoever ensuring that the National Guard was there in full display, ready to go. And yet with this, we just saw the extreme opposite. We saw, you know, Capitol Police officers pulling back the gates, letting people in, taking selfies with them. And um, it just it, it just reeks of the stinking truth is that the United States of America is racist, period, end of story. And, you know, until we start to really call a thing a thing and, you know, start really addressing it in saying white supremacy and this is what's happening, I think we will find ourselves, unfortunately, here again. Yeah, absolutely, Yvonne. John, I know that you wanted to share something. Yeah, I was just going to say, and not only was it allowed, but it was fucking encouraged. We we had a leader who did not come out and say, stop this. Instead, he said, eventually, you know, we love you guys, but let there be peace. Well, okay, great. You know, so not only was it allowed, but it was encouraged. And I think that, you know, that was one just one more thing that just even pushed me further over the edge. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty outrageous. Um, Sarah, did you want to share something? I would echo John's sentiment and simply say it wasn't just encouraged. It's been planned for several months. Many members of the Capitol Police, the D.C. Police knew about it. Some of them participated in it. Um, here we have a clear, I mean, crystal clear vision of how racist the power structure is in the United States. That is, it, it could not be simpler than this. So now the question is, what the hell do we do about it in the meantime? Because this is an incredibly difficult question. You can't just dismantle power structures. You have to replace them with something. So. Yeah, that's going to be a, um, something that we're going to have to address you know, just as a country and really figure that out. Natasha, did you want to go? Yeah, just adding that it was incredibly disturbing to see, as Yvonne was saying, like the lack of preparedness for the day there, everything was set to, to combust, if you will, on that day. And flee. Like I personally saw the footage of people making that march to the White House. And it looked like they were like zombies coming out from like under the earth and were like following a beacon because that's all they knew to do. It was very disturbing. And then to see them, you know, they open the barricades and they let people just come in. And as they were breaking down windows, you know, they were inside with, gu with guns aimed at them, but not saying that they should have shot necessarily, but there, wh where was the the work to make sure that they weren't even going to be able to make it past that point. And then taking selfies with them, letting them do photo ops. Like that one photo of the guy with the headdress, it legitimately looked like he was trying to like drop an album with that photo shoot. Why was that allowed? Why weren't they 
taken away, not allowed to even get to that point. And so just knowing that the people who are supposedly supposed to be watching out for us and keeping us safe were just like essentially, you know, oh, let me try to stop you. Okay, but go ahead, you know, you, you, you do your thing. And so it was very, very disturbing. Yeah, Ashish. I mean, just to add on, I think like, you know, I, I mean, I agree with what everyone said. I think it was planned, but I think like if we want to make a stance to prevent something from this from happening in the future, I mean, the people who ele- who we elect to represent us in Congress, they should invoke the 25th Amendment and kick Trump out today. Because like, if you don't get rid of him, then you're basically saying that like, you can do this in America and, you know, nothing's going to happen. And it's like all these senators have our votes. We put them in office, but they're all just getting money from special interest groups or lobbyists. And I mean, I've made a post on LinkedIn today. And I mean, there are some people and I put a picture of Michelle Obama and I said, she said something about respect. And I just said, we have to learn to respect everyone. But at the same token, I think Congress needs to just get their shit together and impeach Trump for a second time and then kick him out of office. I mean, with all his hate messages on Twitter and Facebook, I'm glad they blocked him. But if nothing's done, what's to say that he's not going to do anything after January 20th when Joe Biden's president? Like, you got to, like, tame the beast and eliminate him once and for all. Not saying, like, get rid of him, like, assassinate him, but just, like, put him in a corner, so... Yeah, Natasha, go ahead. Yeah, I, adding on a little bit to Ashish, Ashish, what you said, um, my fiance and I noticed that uh, we saw just a little blip of his, Trump's like speech today, finally coming out and saying something. And uh, he said, you know, this isn't the end. This is only the beginning, which sounds like, you know, the same thing as the Proud Boys stand back and stand by, like we are on deck to come, whether it's January 20th or throughout to continue to bring the force. Like that was eerie and clearly a sign to me that, you know, get ready for what's, what's to come. Yeah. Um, that's this really scary thing I'll, I'll share real quick. Um, I have a a close friend of mine who tracks, um, right wing, the right wing social media apps like parlor and I for, I'm blanking on the other one, but um, those are very, and like things like Reddit. I mean, those are very violent. Like there are a lot of comments, like we're coming, we're going to back Trump get like, you don't even know we've been preparing for this, like our whole lives we've been training. That's what scares me the most is that there are groups out there that are like that, that are so, um, kind of stuck in hate and violence that they are ready to to do that to just wreak havoc violently across the country so that's the that's something really scary and I personally don't know you know as we have these conversations I've had these conversations with you know all of you and others it's been you know well what can we do I know I've heard that a couple times already like what can we do because clearly we cannot 
react physically or violently back. That is obvious. Um, and I've been, I've shared with a couple of you today, you know, we really need to swallow that pill and we really just need to react with compassion and love. But that's so, so difficult when individuals and groups like that with who are filled with so much hate, um, are not willing to listen. So, I mean, if any of you have any thoughts on that, I would love to hear more because it is a very tough thing to move forward with. Sarah, I saw you um, raise your hand. Yep. Well, uh, I'm from the country and I grew up with a lot of people like this. And what I can say for certain is that there is a real sense of disenfranchisement for people who perceive, not rightfully so, but perceive that there's a hundred units of power and that all their power has been taken away and given to black and brown people. Um, That's partially a failure of messaging by the government and everything else. So I'm not going to get into that, but I think we can all agree that that's false messaging. It's a false assumption. There is not a dearth of power in this country and I, what I have seen are that these people are armed and ready to do anything they can to feel important again. So. Yeah, Yvonne, go ahead. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I agree with Sarah. You know, it's just a false narrative that has been going on for so many years. And it's what it really comes down to at the end of the day is, you know, the two P words, power and privilege. Um, They are just, you know, there are people in this country who are stark raving mad about the fact that whites are about to be the minority. And I think there is this ridiculous fear that somehow, you know, once black and brown people become the majority that we are going to reciprocate what was done to us, which you talk to, I think, just about any black person, especially anyone I know. And that is absolutely not the case. Not who we are as a people. That's not what we would want. Um, it's just really about, you know, if you look historically at black people, it's been the opposite. It's been about lifting people up, having a stronger sense of community, um, helping those who don't have to have something and to share. And so there's that. And then there's the privilege. And so, you know, when you asked a few moments ago, Chris, what we can do is at the end of the day, no matter where we come from and and what education we have and where we live and how much what our socioeconomic conditions are we all have some privilege and i think that we need to use it to empower um, others and to make sure that these issues are are addressed the way that they should be Um, we need to be unapologetically authentic in our you know our perspectives call things out when they need to be called out as Sage would say, and then call people in so that you can have the necessary conversations to really help shift minds and hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Sage, go ahead. Yeah, and I just want to add on to that. You know, look, 
I think that, you know, this is the, we need to get people to get off of the computers, get off of social media and have these kinds of conversations, Chris. So thank you. I just wanted to say, thank you for doing this because this is the secret sauce right here. Because what you just said, Yvonne, more white people need to hear that. They need to hear that we're not looking to take control and to treat them a different way, that we really just want a fair opportunity. And that's it. But I think that there is because the media is painting it in a different way, it's dividing us, it's, it's creating barriers, it's not helping Bridget. So on that note, though, too, also, a, you know, so we need to have more of these conversations and really just exactly like this. But the thing we have different this time that we've never had before is the internet. We have it. And so th they can use it in a way to manipulate us in the wrong way. We can use it to manipulate it in the right way, too. So just remember, so like releasing this podcast, Chris, this is something they can't stop us from doing that. There are things that the media cannot prevent. Like you can make a hundred of these podcasts and we can release it. And if we all start marketing this, more people hear it. They can't stop that, right? They might be able to control the algorithms and things like that, but we can figure out ways to work with that, but to create positive change, right? So I think I would just want to tell everybody here that Yes, we need to call things out and I'm doing that too, but we have to do it in a way because we need allies. We cannot do this alone. So remember that we, we, we don't want anybody to, we want to try to bring people together and words, are, words do matter. You know, my post this morning, I'm sure that pissed a ton of people off, but I also got a majority of white people replying to that, which is the people I'm talking to, right? So yes, we need, to, we need to call it. So I use the words white supremacy. I use the word privilege because we need to call that out. But also we have to remember we cannot do this alone. And, and I think that white people are really, a lot of people are wanting to do the work now and to do that. Like, so I introduced several of you to Jonathan Mohanan, Mohanan um, who starts a group of white people that are gonna be dedicating time. So there are people that are doing that. And that's why I think it's important to have these conversations and keep them going and away from, you know, the social media manipulation BS that's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely, Sajal, thank you. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, Sajal, I really like that point. And I wanted to share that I gave into my um, lesser demons yesterday and, and sent a not um, A plus message to a conservative friend and didn't make me feel any better. Um, it hurt her feelings a little bit and I and I regret it. And I don't typically do things like that. So I just kind of want to raise that up, Sajel. It is really about naming white supremacy for white supremacy, calling a, a thing what it is, but not reacting in anger. Um, and a second point, I do think that one of the cruxes of, is that a word? One of the crux of the issue is the highly segregated country that we live in and the homogeneity of our societies. And I always, I don't know if this statistic still rings true, but um, I, I live in Los Angeles. So I, my first voting cycle was 2008 during Prop 8, the gay marriage proposition. And I remember hearing a statistic that if you know one, just one queer person, you are three to four times more likely to vote in favor of gay marriage. And the 
the highly segregated societies that we live in and the lack of exposure. And I, I don't like to use that word, but it really just comes down to like these white supremacists have never actually spoken to, don't actually know any people of color. They don't actually have diversity in their life. They can't contextualize that. They have no empathy. They don't have the ability to be like, Billy, my neighbor, I like, you know, th this ethnic group isn't that bad because, you know, Billy here is, and granted, that doesn't solve everything. My grandparents live in LA and they're still um, quite racist, but it, I think that that is one of the, the main issues um, is just the, the lack of exposure and the homogeneity of our society. It's a really good point. Sarah, did you want to go? I have a different point, but Ryan, I think you are spot on. Um, but I will say this, for every older folk person, like your grandparents, there's somebody like my dad, who was a staunch Republican, but then I joined the gay choir. And now some of his best friends are lesbians. So change is possible, even with people who are 85 years old. And it matters. Every little tiny bit of that matters. What I was going to say is I suggest this group create action around Sagel's very wise remark. If we, there are 11 people here, if each of us found another 10 people to have a discussion with, that is going to have a ripple effect that is probably incalculable. So I highly suggest that and I'm throwing down the gauntlet. That's a great takeaway, Sarah. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good challenge and action for us to move forward. So I'll, I'll make sure we recap that at the end. Uh, Margie, would you I like think, to? I would just say, Sarah, oh, Sage, yeah. I mean, just use LinkedIn is the best platform for this right now. I mean, all of the other ones I'm not on, I'm just using LinkedIn, but I'm telling you like what I'm doing right now is I am, I'm figuring out like how to work around those LinkedIn BS algorithms, right? So I spend at least one hour every day, every night um, connecting to people that are not constantly responding and liking my posts. So reaching out to people that I'm not connected to, getting on their feeds, right? So intentionally I'm setting aside at least one hour every night to just interact with other people that I'm not connected to so that I start showing up on other people's feeds with my, my messages. But also like I did this morning, you know, I the post I posted, I have never contacted any of my connections to say, please share this with your networks. I sat there for two hours today and I forwarded that message in private messenger to a bunch of my connections. And the last time I did this, I got kicked off of LinkedIn, <laughs> but, but so be careful about not sending too many, all right, space it out. Like, but um, send it to people, tell them to share it with their networks, you know? And I said, this is very, what I said to my message was just like what I did with the four of you, Chris. I said, please share this with your network. This means a lot to me, right? And ask for that help. Use our connections, you know? I mean, I've got like 14,000 connections. You better believe me, they're gonna hear from me in the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, great action items. Margie, would you like to share? Yeah, and I'll try to be quick because my daughter's going to bed here. So sometimes when I when I talk, um, just situational awareness wise, she has severe autism. So sometimes my voice really annoys her, especially when she's trying to go to bed. Anyways, I just want to say thank you for inviting me to this, Sejal. And so, um, and I wanted to kind of address a point that Ryan said that I hear a lot um, where I feel like a lot of people are owning the hurt feelings, right? And there's just a fundamental difference between hurt and harm. 
Okay. So people are going to get their feelings hurt, right? And that is not your responsibility to own in any way, shape or form. And in any, in many ways, they need their feelings hurt. They need to get uncomfortable. Um, fundamentally different than 400 years of harm or perpetuating this harm or continuing this harm. And so, you know, clearly a lot of us are going to be empaths. So that's going to be hard for us knowing <laughs> that we're hurting feelings. Um, but, you know, try your best not to own that because sometimes they're going to have to hear the hard message and the hard word because tiptoeing around it is exactly why I think I'm seeing it today. Where is everybody talking about it? It's us. Where's everybody else? Like, did they not see what we saw? Did they not see what we saw happening? And everybody just went, oh, right back to grocery shopping and TV and, you know, done. But I bet you um, if we hurt a few feelings, Maybe they'll think, maybe one person will think. So I don't know. Yeah. Thank you, Margie. Joe, go ahead. So there's the past few minutes, we've been talking a lot about conversation, right? Kind of sage those call to action. And those that know me on the call know that conversation is my jam. You know, I like to talk and I like to learn. That's how we grow. I want to challenge us, though, if we're taking this as an action item as a group. Be mindful of the types of conversation we have, right? And, and, and there's two types that come to mind, right? There's a conversation to persuade, and there's a conversation to understand, right? I suggest we focus on the conversations to understand because we're all products of our past, and we're only acting out based on our experiences, I come from the country too, Sarah, and most of you can tell this, right, uh, by my accent. I came from a horribly racist family. I'm talking members in the Klan kind of family, right, as, as racist as it could be. But because of my experiences, because of the exposures I've had, I'm night and day from them, right? So when we have these conversations, and I truly believe we have conversations uh, who, with people who are on that opposing side, right? When they, when they crack off in the, in the comments and LinkedIn, um, before we go back with our witty response, and I'm, I'm the world's worst at doing that, set some time with them. Shoot them a direct message. Hey, I'd love to get on the phone and chat with you and learn a little bit more about you. And I'd like to share a little bit more about me. And I guarantee you if we do that, at some point, even with these people who were running through the Capitol, there's going to be a similarity there. And we do this one time, two times, ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times. I, I, think there's some, I think there's some opportunity there. I think there's some opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, Ashish, I know you wanted to chime in there. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I think like, you know, with all of this, I think like, again, as a country, I think like what we're doing, I think like it's, we're being proactive in addressing this issue instead of being like reactive. So I think like, if we can do it, why can't the people in Congress also do it as well? And like, that's my whole thing is I think everyone is just waiting for someone else to call the shots. But if you have that burning within you and your constituents reach out to you and say, hey, this is, this affected our nation like never before. Um, I think even someone on CNN said the last time the Capitol was attacked was like back in 1833 or something like 
that's like 200 years ago almost. And so, I mean, we have a calling, I think, like just to step up and tell people what happened yesterday is not acceptable. It's not tolerable. We're not going to hand, we're not going to take it anymore. And I think the more proactive we become, I think like, that's great. And I mean, I kudos to Sarah for saying like, if we each reach out to 10 more people, that's spreading the word even more. And more even Sage has talked about, you know, spreading it on LinkedIn and using that as a platform. So I think we all have our ways that we can take what we're discussing tonight and share it on LinkedIn. And the more people that respond, hopefully they'll respond more and like think about their responses, not just say great post and like use the same, but actually like read the post, read the messages that are being said and go from there. So I think all of us on this call, I think we all are proactive people and I think we all can start making a difference from today. It's a really good point. Um, Sage, I'll have you go next. I just want to point out real, real quick again, that like most of us didn't know each other six months ago, eight months ago. And we have had, again, such meaningful conversation and we've really deepened our relationship in these last few months that we can look at this group. I mean, look at this group. We are so, so powerful together when we get a chance to connect with each other. So um, that is something that just goes to show the power of having those conversations and meaningful conversations as she's like, like you said, and really paying attention to what other people are saying. Sage, will go ahead. Yeah. I mean, look, why, you know, we, we can sit here and talk about these issues all day long till we're like purple in the face. Right. But they ain't going to stop these efforts from screwing us around. So let's just do it. I mean, can we all agree to commit one hour a week to have this kind of conversation every week? And let's all say, let's bring five people each new every week to the conversation that are going to be valuable contributors to this discussion. Let's just keep growing the group here. We do the same thing. We post it. We post up. We take the podcast. We post that out there. Everybody get out here after we get off the call here. Go on your feed and talk about how, what an awesome conversation this was. Point out one or two things that you got out of this conversation. We all go on each other's things, like and unlike, and let's blow this thing up. Let's just do it. it, it we can start there. If we can all commit to one hour a week, and if you can't make it, it's okay. You know, let's just say we try your best. I mean, we're, we've got lives. I get it. You know, but like, let's just say it. And then let's set a number. Each person, let's try to get five people to, we all know five people that can come to these conversations and add value. Bring people that can bring insights that are experts that are in different areas that can just do it. You know, I mean, I, I hate talking about things and it's like, look, if that idiot can get to president, we could do more. We've got brains here. So let's just use, put them all together. We've got diversity. Look at me. I'm like, let's just do this thing. Cause I'm sick of, sick of this happening. And I don't want to, I don't want to keep doing this. You know, I just want this to stop and we're all hard. We're all working on this together. So let's just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Sejal. Amen. Ryan, go ahead. I love that, Sejal. If, if that idiot can be president, I can, we can do anything. Truly, it's, that's the one takeaway. Um, yes, yes, yes. Amen to that. And Natasha and I are both DEI facilitators at um, different consulting firms. And there's a lot of talk about like, you know, what do we do? And I, I'm completely guilty of not doing enough. And 
there's a lot of it's I think it boils down to using kind of what you're saying, Sage, like your sphere of influence and using the resources. I know that it's really difficult in the pandemic and we all feel like we just want to explode and we're supposed to stay home. And it's we have all this like pent up energy, which I think is kind of one of the influencing factors for what's going on. But, you know, if you're in a workplace, um, it's about if you have the emotional capability, the emotional capability and the bandwidth to start a DEI committee or be part of a DEI committee, or if you are simply emotionally exhausted and don't want to take on that burden, um, maybe encouraging other people to do it and being kind of like a tangential cheerleader of like, hey, you know, instead of doing it, uh, you know, part-time or, or full-time, however long the DEI works takes, um, just being that cheerleader from the sideline. And that's just one, my one uh, piece of advice. Awesome. Sarah, go ahead. You know, um, I would piggyback off of that. And I would say um, I developed a training on empathy for a group of people who did customer service. And if Trust me, if those people's customer service skills can improve that much just with an empathy training, every freaking person on this planet can probably benefit from that. So ask your trainers, ask your facilitators, this is training we need, demand it, demand it. Yeah, and again, going back to um, just the notion of exposure, right? We need to just expose and share and get the message out to as many people as we can. So I mean, um, I, Chris, look, yeah. the next time we do this call, right? Next week, we've got how many different facilitators on this call that can spend 15 minutes teaching us about empathy, teaching us about inclusion, teaching us about something. So every time let's have maybe one or two people, 15 minutes each, 20 minutes each, educate people that we're bringing to these calls, let's use this opportunity. I mean, again, we, it's not gonna require any prep work. You talk about, Sarah, you talk about what you're gonna talk about. Yvonne, you talk about whatever you wanna talk about. It doesn't have to be so structured. You know, we just say, okay, who wants to go this week? Who wants to go next week? And let's just use these opportunities. That's a great idea. Look at all the facilitators we have. We could go for like 10 weeks with just the facilitators we have on this call right here, at least, if not more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sarah, I love that comment. We can be the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, we're coming up on an hour. Want to be respectful of everyone's time. Any final thoughts, words of wisdom, words of encouragement? Yeah, Natasha, go ahead. Something on this whole concept of, you know, listening to people and Chris and John, we just had this conversation was it yesterday, day before yesterday about you know, reach out and have conversations with people. And when you have those conversations, you can't do it in a podcast as Chris and I discussed, but listen to learn and to learn about the individual as opposed to listening to respond to them. Because the more that you just absorb whatever the person's hearing or saying, you can hear it and actually process it and it become, I, what is happening in this chat? Thor Ragnarok? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, just find, you know, even an hour to connect with different people, um, not necessarily with the intent of like, I'm going to rule this conversation and change their mind because it's not going to happen that way. You have to learn about people and become close to them. And I know Joe is a big, big person when it comes to getting to know people. And so along with Sajel's, um, you know, to do, not to do, but action item, you know, just listen to some people, listen and have 
thoughtful conversations. Yeah, absolutely. John, go ahead. Yeah, I think meaningful conversations is the key. And to Sajel's point, let's just fucking do it. There's so many of us, we all have so many great capabilities. We have a huge social sphere between all of us. It is time to just get to work, band together and get shit done. Amen. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we, we wrap up? I'm uh, just showed up, so I don't really have much context for this conversation, but one small bit of, I, don't know, I guess, good news that made me smile today is that a large percentage of Trump's cabinet resigned after what happened yesterday. Even like the super Republicans that were closest to him could see how much bullshit that was. And that's a small little glimmer of light, at least they, and, and maybe after they resign, that'll help open the eyes of other Trump supporters that, oh shit, his cabinet's leaving him. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be loyal. So small bit of good news. Yeah, John, I, I wish you would have been here earlier because this, this discussion was freaking um, unreal. And um, we've got some amazing people here. And I just can't wait to, we're just going to effing, like John said, I can't say because my son is sitting right here. But we're just going <laughs> to do it. And um, we're, we're going to, look, we've got the podcast cover. Chris has got the podcast. We're going to try to do this like once a week. I said, everybody show up once a week. We'll have a couple people. We've got like 10 different facilitators on this call, 15 minutes each, just facilitate. Everybody's going to try to bring, you know, you know, if you can't make it every week, it's fine, but try to commit to that. And then try to bring five people to these things. And let's just grow this thing out and encourage other people to do that in their own communities. Like they can come to one. They don't have to keep coming over and over again. You know, then we can they say, just go back and now you do this or you bring people, whatever, and just start doing it instead of just meetings after meetings and talking and talking about what we're going to do. Let's just effing do it, you know? That's so excited. Cool. You know, that's my style. <laughs> no, that's what I was saying. I wish you would have been here. You, it's totally your style. I, I, took it, I took it from you. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, everyone. Thank you so much for coming, for sharing. Um, I'm so glad that we got to get together and do this. Um, and yes, let's Let's make this a weekly thing, continue having these conversations and bringing more people into the fold so we can create a true movement together. So thank you again. Thank you for tuning into this conversation that we had together as a group. Um, you know, uh, this entire situation that we're in is so much bigger than all of us uh, individually, but together as a group, together as a collective, we can make some amazing change in the world and i really hope that this inspired you to either do something on your own but honestly i hope that you join us this is something that we are building momentum towards and doing so please reach out to myself or anyone that took part of this discussion i will link all of their information in the show notes so you can go check out their profiles connect with them on linkedin and just reach out to us, uh, whoever you connected with the most, or maybe you connected with all of us, just reach out to us, let us know that you're interested, and we will add you to our weekly conversations that are already being set up every week uh, to start making some change, as well as learn just a little bit of around DEI or just unifying or whatever topic that we think will truly make the world a better place. and you know, and honestly lead people first. So um, thank you again for 
tuning into this episode. Again, we are here for you. Let us know if we can do anything for you. Just reach out. We are here. We're all in the same boat together. So thank you again and stay awesome.